in that, we are going to continue with week three of uh, our sermon series, Pure and Genuine. Um, I want to make sure that we're always uh, touching on what we're going about and talking about this morning. We are talking about the out portion in this series of our vision, okay? If you don't know what our vision is, or if you've never heard our vision, we concentrate on up, in, and out. How many people have heard that? I hope so many times here. Our vision in our church here at Hope Point, hallelujah, is to be up with the Father, to be in with the fellowship and the community, that's our discipleship, and out with the broken or the lost. We evangelize, we reach the lost, we serve. That right there is where our vision lies. And it is our united understanding as a body, as a temple, as the church of God, to unite ourselves in that vision here at Hope Point. Someone say amen to that. So we are going to be in Ephesians 4 today. And uh, I will always uh, go pretty much verse by verse or a couple verses. And I love to interrupt myself. It's the... uh, schizophrenic guy in me, I guess. I don't know. I'm just joking around with you guys. But uh, we are in Ephesians 4. If you don't have your Bibles, it'll be on the screen. Uh, But we want to dig into God's Word today and uh, hopefully let the Holy Spirit spur us to new direction. Hallelujah. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life Worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. We've got to stop right there and really articulate verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the church of Ephesus, imprisoned in Rome, but also he is speaking to all believers celebrating the victory that he, even though is in prison, is a servant of the Lord. And begging you and I and the church of Ephesus to live a life worthy of that. So in essence, Paul is a prisoner for preaching the gospel, but he is also a prisoner of the Lord because he's a servant of the Lord. Let's unpack that for a second, my friends and family. He is stating that serving the Lord is worth it. He is saying, there's nothing I know better. It's worth going to jail for, but my God has imprisoned me has circumferenced me, and I don't know anything else to do but serve him. And then he's looking you in the eye with sheer conviction from the Holy Spirit saying, I beg you to do the same. Your calling is to hallelujah be a servant of the Lord. Live a life that's worthy of that. I remember as a kid growing up in Sunday school, the Sunday school teacher would put the flannel board up. You got anyone remember the flannel board? 
And, you know, and I saw little pictures of Paul, and he probably had little handcuffs and a little tiny pencil, and he's trying to write, you know. And the Sunday school teacher's like, here's Paul in prison. You know, I, I, I didn't really get that. You know, I just like, oh, yay, this guy is handcuffed and sitting there, and he's writing books. All right, okay. And my later years, what a life that is that Paul has to be, in, like, completely imprisoned in filth, in dirt, in whatever, imagine horrible area of prison, and proclaiming a victory and a triumph that says, I'm here in prison for serving the Lord, for doing His work, and it's worth it. I would do it all again if I had the chance. And looking at us, and writing to us and proclaiming to us to do the same. Oh, so how do we do that? He proclaims that in verse 2. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, Binding yourselves together with peace. Always be humble. Humility truly leads to unity in the spirit. It unites us. But let's not make sure we understand something. Humility is not uncertainty. We speak truth, my friends and family. We don't need to be silent in situations of false doctrine or silent in situations of, well, I don't know if that's completely true, so I'm going to be humble about it and and just kind of let it go. No. Submission, humility is not uncertainty. We live in a world that are proclaiming Thoughts and opinions everywhere. And my friends and family, we need to rise above that. Being gentle, always being gentle, is not being a wimp or being weak. But hallelujah, it's a fruit of the Spirit back there. Gentleness is not weakness. And there is deception in this world, my friends and my family, that us men especially, if we're gentle, we're weaklings, we're wimps, we're not men. How incredibly gentle is it for Jesus to kneel down put dirt in his hands and spit into it and heal the blind. What a gentle moment that is. It's a demeanor, humbleness, humility. It's a demeanor that says, I'm not the center. Truth is the center. I submit to the truth. I go where it leads. It's saying, I'm not the king. Hallelujah, God is the king. 
I submit to His will and not my own. I don't tell God how many faiths are acceptable. God tells me my faith. I do not define the foundation of unity of the Spirit. God defines it. Gentleness is not harshness or scorn or anger. Those are all deceptive things. To always be humble, to always be gentle, and I don't like this one, to always be patient. It's never enough time. It always needs to be faster. Making every allowance to care, to give grace to the allowance for others' faults. Because of what? Because we love each other. What incredible unity that is just in that verse. We unite ourselves as a body of Christ in that moment. When we share together humility, gentleness, peace, and love. Wow, God starts to work amazingly in those moments. Let's continue. Great leaders, or servants of the Lord, rather, let's say that, listen. There's a united conversation right there. If we listen to each other, what begins to happen? Servants of the Lord, uh, great leaders, Show confidence in the people around them. Great leaders show humility, not uncertainty. They show gentleness and peace. Verse 4. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father who is over all and in all and living through all. Someone needs to say amen to that scripture. So you're probably starting to ask the question, um, where does that lead to missions? Where does that lead to serving? Where does that lead to the out? The answer is simple. It's right there in that verse. If there is one God, if there, I don't want to say if, because I'm a believer. Since hallelujah, there is one God. Since hallelujah, there is one faith. Since hallelujah, there is one baptism through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah to that. The only thing that I can do because I believe that in all my heart, is I have to tell others about it. I have to, hallelujah, share the good news. I have to share the gospel. I have to be with the broken, because, hallelujah, as Paul said, it's worth it. 
Hallelujah. I, I don't, man, I don't know if the United States really truly understands this. Are we understanding in belief and in our faith that if there's one true God, no matter what happens in my life, you can throw me in prison, I'm going to serve the Lord. Do we get that? I don't really think we do. But hallelujah, that's what unites us as a body of Christ. Hallelujah, that's what builds my strength. And that is why there is nothing else I can do but hallelujah proclaim to you that I'm a servant of the Lord. Because if there is many gods, and if there's many faiths, true faiths, true gods, not false, then to be honest with you, the gospel message doesn't really need to be spoken in that passionate manner. But hallelujah, I'm here to tell you, and I hope you believe, there is one God. There is one faith, hallelujah. Jesus came because for God so loved the world, he what? Gave his only begotten son. Your Jesus, my Jesus, our Jesus, died on the cross, bled, and hallelujah, washed our sins away. And I am transformed in my heart and my mind is being renewed. I'm pretty sure there's a scripture about that. That all I can do in my worship for Him is tell others about Him. I can get on my knees and wash others' feet. I can serve the broken, be with the lost. And hallelujah, throw me in jail because I believe Paul. It's worth it. We're only on verse uh, 6, people, just so you know. However, verse 7, However, He has given each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the Scripture say, When He ascended to the heights, He led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to His people. Notice that it says, He ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended. He came to us, hallelujah, to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Hmm. After Christ ascended, he bestowed gifts for us. We in the church have been calling them spiritual gifts. A little plug out, a little application moment for you guys. Uh, we have put spiritual gift assessments out in the foyer, out in the breezeway. If you do not know what your spiritual gift is, if you're wondering what spiritual gifting is all about, it begins with you are gifted the moment you have salvation. God has unique talents and abilities for each and every one of us. We say it here a lot. What you're good at, God wants you there. Amen? What you're good at, God wants you there. But as you, it's not a test. As you assess yourself, as you work with the Holy Spirit, as God leads your life, it's a great little opportunity to test to see where your gifting is. And then, get plugged in, my friends and family. See Shanta, see Gail, see a staff person, see Charvis, see Doug. Get plugged in. 
I beg you to do something. God wants you to do something. His death and resurrection is so much bigger than us. And hallelujah, I'm here to tell you it's worth it. Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue. It doesn't stop, people. This will continue until we all come to such a unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Woo! My friends, my family, that section of portion is what I like to call the Magna Carta of church ministry. It is the blueprint for God's temple. If you look at it, verse 8 talks about Christ gave gifts. Now, all of a sudden, verse 11 proclaims that those gifts are people. We are not just gifts, but we are gifted to hallelujah, go do the Lord's work. To hallelujah, reach out, be a part of something that is huge, the kingdom of God. And we, as a people, unite each other together to go serve the Lord. It is not about the pastors here at Hope Point. That's a mind-blowing experience. I don't have the same strengths as you do. But I am called to help equip the saints to go do, to go serve to kneel down like Jesus did to see that woman at the well. I hope and pray that your answer to the gospel is not just about inviting someone to church. I hope and pray you serve disciple Because you are apostles, you are prophets, you are teachers, you are preachers, and you, my friends and family, just like I, are equipped to go share the gospel. This is Magna Carta blueprint. Learn something here, my friends and family. Mark this in your Bible. You are equipped, you are gifted, you are God's gift. And just like Paul, it is my prayer for you this morning to come to a conclusion that you can throw me in prison and it's still going to be worth it. You can beat me up. It's still going to be worth it.
my Jesus. How he is working in me, molding, making me to his image is worth it. And I don't know about you, but I got to tell others about that. Someone say amen to that. Mm. Verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. we got to articulate this. Then, there's some great moments in all the Bible and all the scripture of when someone says then. It's a lead-up moment. So, then, right? Let's backtrack. If we are humble... If we are gentle, if we're pursuing God's call, if we're using the gifts that God gave us to do His work, if we're serving, then we are no longer immature. We, hallelujah, are no longer blown and tossed around, just confused. We're no longer tricked by false doctrine and false prophecy. That's a big one. Dig into the words, my friend and family. Isn't that worth it? I'm sorry, isn't that worth it? Hmm. Growing in every way more and more like Christ. Oh, if there's anything you get, try to be more like Jesus. You can forget everything I've said. Try to be more like Jesus. That pretty much sums up every sermon in any sermon. Try to be more like Jesus. Sixteen. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. My talents, your talents, my gifts, your gifts. We are all gifted in so many different ways. What you're good at, God wants you there. Mind-blowing thought. I don't have every talent imaginable. I know that I just blew some of your guys' minds right now. You have strengths that I don't. And I praise God for that. As each part does its own special work, it helps other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of what? Wait, so our gifts and our talents and our, man, as we unite ourselves together to, to, to serve and preach the gospel, somehow 
We grow out of that. Okay, I can see that. We become more healthy. That makes sense. We become full of love. Wow. Ah, it's good stuff. When we begin to see God's will over our own will, when we apply humility, patience, gentleness, when we apply love to the people around us, I hope I hope God already has convicted you to some degree to know that I need my family to go to heaven. I hope there's names already on your head because as God transforms my heart and renews my mind, I don't want anyone around me that I love to be lost, to be broken. And whatever it takes, I, I, I'm with Paul, man. It's, it's going to be worth it. I, I want great things for, for my family. I, I, want, I want great things for my wife and my children. I want them to go to college. I, I want them to have, you know, husbands and wives and, and children. I, I want what we, uh, we are calling success in a lot of areas. There's nothing wrong with that. But more... I want my wife and family and my children to serve the Lord. I, I want my family here to serve the Lord and to come back to me with sheer, utter awe and look me in the eye and proclaim to me, it was worth it. Wow, it was worth it. It, it was hard, but it was worth it. So I always love putting some practical application to scriptures. So um, I'm put it on. They're going to put it on the screen for you. But I have eight blessings we experience by serving. You guys with me on that? Mm. Number one. Serving allows us to discover and develop our spiritual gifts. We talked about this. What you're good at, God wants you there. There are an amazing amount of gifts, talents, and abilities in this room. And if we're united as Hope Point, as the body of Christ, to go and do and to go and serve, wow, our community is going to be just Wrecked for Jesus. Number two, serving allows us to experience miracles. I'm reminded that as Jesus turned water into wine in his first miracle, that no one in the wedding really saw that. Only the servants and the people behind the scenes, they were kind of freaking out, wondering what to do. I mean, there was a party going on. You know, there's nothing, I mean, they're, they're just, they're celebrating. And there was this behind the scenes moment of like, we're out of wine. What do we do? You guys with me? If you know the story, those people saw the miracle. 
I mean, I'm just going to say, get behind the scenes sometimes, people, because miracles happen. And it's behind the scenes sometimes, and God works a miraculous work. But if you're not in that, if you're not serving, if you're not a part of that, you don't see it. Number three, serving allows us to experience the joy and peace that comes from obedience. Yes, my friends and family, I'm disappointed to tell you that even as adults, we have to obey. I was expecting more of a laugh, but okay. First Peter says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus. Serving hallelujah is a form of worship. Serving hallelujah is a form of worship. That is why I take the hardship and take my kids on a mission trip. A little heart moment. My, uh, my family's in a bit of grief right now because um, my wife's grandmother passed away on Thursday. And if you have heard anything about my grandmother-in-law, she is an iconic person, missionary of the Church of Nazarene. And with sheer humility, that lady would never tell you a story, never almost disregard everything she did because all she cared with sheer humility and sheer gentleness is that she was doing things for Jesus, not for praise. I want to teach that to my children. I, I want my family to serve with sheer humility. Number four. Give me a second. I got choked up about grandma for a second. Serving helps us be more like Jesus. I don't want that to be an oh, duh moment. If you believe there is one God, if you believe that Jesus is in your heart, it should be your sheer desire as you kneel down and serve others to be more like Jesus. Be more like Jesus. Number five. Serving surrounds us with other Christians who can help us follow Jesus. There is a great moment in the body of Christ as we unite ourselves together to go arm in arm and hallelujah tackle this word world for the glory of Jesus, for the glory of the gospel. We go hand in hand. We unite together, my friends and family, for the glory of God. And somehow that encourages us that brings us joy, that uplifts us. Because, as we've said a couple times, what you're good at, God wants you there. Number six, serving increases our faith. I kind of want to say amen to every single one of these. As we move out of our comfort zones, 
Get out of your comfort zones. As we move out of our comfort zones, God increases our faith by revealing new potential. Oh. In ourselves, new potential in our church, new potential in our community. Do we see things, this is all for free right here, do we see things as great potential? Or do we see things as like, we probably should just stay away from that. Get out of your comfort zones. Get uncomfortable. Because if there's one God, if there's one faith, I guarantee you it's worth it. Number seven. Serving allows us to experience God's presence in new ways. Woo! Encouragement and healing go hand in hand. Amen to that. Hallelujah to that. Oh, as we encourage others and they find healing, we're encouraged. How many times have we been praying for people for healing and somehow we feel more blessed than the people that got healed? Because I just saw a miracle. Oh, hallelujah to that. It's the reason that so many people go on mission trips. When we begin to serve, there's something in our culture right now. When we serve, it changes our thoughts. It changes our opinions on something. It breaks us down in, in, a, in a different way, right? And builds us up in a whole new way. And number eight, serving is good for your soul. There has been legitimate studies on serving, submitting, humility, everything we've discussed, that it actually encourages your soul. It uplifts you. It brings joy to you. I think that's probably why um, the cliche phrase of it's better to give than receive comes around, right? I, sheer moment, I, I can't wait for my children to open their Christmas presents. I don't know if I really care about mine, right? I mean, I'm excited I'm excited for what's going to happen because I can't wait to see the, my, you know, the look on my children's face for Christmas present or whatever it may be. Or I can't wait to all of a sudden watch one of us just, just get it. Just like the epiphany, the, the divine epiphany of what God has done for us. Bam. It strengthens me. It encourages me. Oh, I feel blessed. But real talk for a second. We make a lot of excuses not to serve. I don't have enough time. I'm not equipped. Somebody else can do it. Let the pastor take care of it. He gets paid. I'm being real. What you're good at, God wants you there. 
And I, my friends and family, am going to try to look every one of you in the eyes and beg you to do what God has called you to do. I stand here today pleading with each and every one of you that if you believe there's only one true God and you believe that Jesus died for your sins and washed you away and cleansed you from all unrighteousness, hallelujah, go do something. Go serve. Kneel down. Find somebody. Be with the broken. Be with the lost. It's as simple as that. So if you don't know what's going on, a couple great little Old Testament stories. If you're feeling that you're not equipped, if you're feeling that there's many excuses that, in all honesty, Satan is putting into your head, and I rebuke that right now. Moses couldn't say that, said he couldn't even speak. David was looked at as the runt of the family, the youngest. Paul the one that wrote this scripture was killing Christians. God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. Did you guys hear that? God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And as we began with, we are all called to do the Lord's work. And I pray for each and every one of us that we realize it just like Paul did. You can throw me in jail. You can beat me up. You can bash me up. It's still worth it. Because all I'm going to do, hallelujah, is proclaim to you that I'm going to serve the Lord. Let's pray together. Living God, most almighty, one true God. That is what we proclaim, if nothing else today. You are sovereign. You are the only one. You are Jehovah. As we're here this morning, God, I just pray that you stir, you spur, you put your Holy Spirit, Lord God, not just uniting us, but giving us names, giving us people, giving us the plead, the beg to go out and do. Help Hope Point, Lord God, build your church. But more than that, Lord God, help us be a church that serves the broken, that serves the lost. We come together here, Lord God, with all different life experiences through the week. From grief, to excitement, to anniversaries, to death, to burdens. I think of the kids trapped in a cave in Thailand. There's so much in this world, but God, I exclaim and proclaim almighty father that you are bigger than all of that that you with a blink of an eye can heal all and be all 
So, Lord God, as you transform each and every one of our hearts, renew our minds today, Lord God, letting us understand that service is worship. We bow down to you, Almighty King, and we proclaim to you today that serving you, Lord God, is worth it. Be with us today, Lord God. We ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. I love you greatly, my friends and my family. We'll see you guys next week.